0: Hi, this is Terrell Somerville, the lead pastor of Freedom Church. Welcome to our podcast. We hope you enjoy the message today and that you also take time to get plugged in to your local church. We believe you can't do life alone, so we learn to do life together. I also want to thank our givers who make this podcast possible. If you are blessed by this ministry, please consider subscribing, giving, and sharing this with your friends and family. God bless you. Hey everybody, welcome to Freedom Online, so thankful for tuning in today. Hey, I just want to thank you for that, and do me a favor, if you're watching YouTube or you're on Facebook Live, whatever it is, be sure to click that connection card on the link there, especially if you're brand new. And also, at any point in time, there's going to be a number on your screen, you can call one of our pastors if you need prayer. So thankful for Pastor Jim wrapping up the Hang On series last weekend. And before I jump into this brand new awesome series we're doing today, got a really great announcement for everyone. Hey, we are looking and prayerfully considering starting back Sunday, June 14th. So put that in your calendar. Uh, We will have our regular service times, 9 and 1030 live in the auditorium here. I will be making an announcement, be looking for that, about the logistics all of that, and then we're going to have an amazing time on the next Sunday as well, which will be Father's Day, June 21st. So be looking for that announcement on that logistics as we get to come back together. I miss you guys so much. Maybe you're brand new, you've been watching on here, you haven't got to come yet. We're looking forward to being able to meet you uh, in the coming weeks. So uh, we're starting a brand new series called "Who Is God," and I'm excited about that. And when you think about who God is, I'm going to break that down, talking about the three characters of God, the three persons of God, which is God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, over these coming three weeks. And with that being said, if you would, you can go to our app and look, click on the home page there on Sundays, and pull up this week's message. If you've never downloaded our app, simply go to the app store and type in Freedom Church Gallatin, and you can download our app. There's a lot of cool stuff there that you can use on that. You can be able to look at past messages, reading plans of the Word of God, and so forth. So today, as we move forward, I know it's a tough thing for a lot of people to think about who God is, especially when we think about God being three persons, three gods in one God, but he's really just one God. And I want to do my best to try to illustrate that for you. So what I want to talk about is the three who's and the one what. So when you think about the who's, I'm going to just kind of do it this way here. Here we go. I'm not a great drawer, but I am going to do my best. So when you think about the three who's, you got the father Okay, you've got the Son, and you've got the Holy Spirit, okay? Now, but ultimately, here's the one what. When you look in the very middle here, there is one God. But understanding, there are three persons in one God. So what I'm saying by that is, is that God is Father— God is the Son and also God is the Holy Spirit. So Here's where a lot of people get confused on when you say, well, I've heard of the Trinity and somebody told me the Trinity, the word is not even the Bible. That is true. Tertullian was a Christian author from long ago and he come up with the word Trinity, which means three in one. But here's what I want you to understand. Yes, we have one God, but there's three persons in the Godhead. But here's what I want you to be able to discern is that the father is not the son. Okay, is not. The son is not the Holy Spirit. Okay. Nor when it comes to the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is not the Father. So to summarize this and what we're going to talk about, about one triune God is that number one, there's only one God. Okay. But yet, With the Trinity, that is the three-in-one God, there is God the Father, there is God the Son, and there is God the Holy Spirit. But also what I want you to understand is that the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are eternally distinct from one another. So today, I want to talk about God the Father. And I love this quote. This is amazing from A.W. Tozer, a Christian author. He says this quote, and I quote him in saying, What comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. Well, I wrote it this way. The most important thing about a person is what they think about when they think about God. And I want to ask you, what, what do you think about God? I mean... Do you think God is this uh, old man upstairs or got a long flowing beard or, or God is this God? He's walking around with a great big stick and you're trying to do your best not to do something wrong. So he kills you. Or maybe you're just kind of trying to think through who God is and, and is he real? Who is God? Gallup does a lot of uh, surveys and polls. And back in 2017, they asked this question in the U S do you believe in God? And what was interesting to me is they said, 87% of the responses said, yes, we believe in God. So when we look at the Bible, in the Old Testament, there's the Old Testament and there's the New Testament. In the Old Testament, in Isaiah chapter 45, Isaiah the prophet in verse 5 says there is one God. Then we know in the New Testament, when we hear that Jesus, the Son of God, comes on the scene, he lives his life For 33 years, he goes to the cross, he dies for humanity's sins, and then he comes back and he walks on earth for 40 more days. The Bible tells us that he was seen of over 500 people, and before he left, he gave the Great Commission. And in Matthew's gospel in chapter 28 and verse 19, he tells everyone there as his last words before he goes back to heaven, he says for us to go and to make disciples, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. He's reciting and saying there's the father the son and the holy spirit so i go to and i see a a third of the new testament was written by a man named paul after he jesus had went back to heaven paul formerly Saul, Saul was going around and he was threatening christians he was imprisoning christians he was killing christians and he was on the road to damascus and he got knocked off of his high horse by jesus And he asked Jesus a very important question, which is very important for us as humanity. He says, who are you, Lord? And what would you have me to do? See, that's a good question. Who are you, Lord? So we know that he steals away to Arabia according to the scriptures. He studies to figure out who Jesus is. And then he becomes the third uh, third of the New Testaments written by him. He wrote two particular letters to the Corinthians. And I love this one particular verse that we look at at the end of the second letter to the Corinthians in chapter 13 and verse 14. Look what it says. It says, May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the holy spirit be with you all. Do you understand this is a closing benediction in this particular letter to the Corinthian church saying that he wants the trinity to be with every single one of us. So when we break this down and we break this verse down, the grace of our lord Jesus Christ this reminds us of Jesus's birth when he came into this world. He's always been and always has been, but he came into this world. He was born of a virgin Mary to be able to put on skin to identify be tempted all like we're tempted but yet he never sinned he became poor so that me and you could become rich through him then it talks about the love of God see the love of God reminds us that God allowed his only son to go to a hill called Golgotha the place of the skull and give his life on a cross as a sacrifice for humanity's sins Then we look at the fellowship of the Holy Spirit, which reminds us on the day of Pentecost, which was in Acts chapter 2, after Jesus had ascended back, that the Spirit of God came down and formed the church and he gave God's presence and the hearts of all who are born again believers in Jesus Christ and had their sins forgiven by him. So today, as we look at talking about God the Father, I look at these Corinthian believers then and I look at believers now and we all are in desperate need of the blessings of God's grace and God's love and God's fellowship. That is from our Creator now and forever. And so, here's what I want to say. Maybe you scrolled across this and and maybe you're not a believer and you're questioning God's existence. You can lean out on this for a minute, but if you're a believer in Christ— Here's what I want to say. If each believer will depend fully on the grace of God and you will walk in God's love and you will stay in full communion and fellowship with the Holy Spirit, we can all be part of the answer, not the problems that's going on in the world around us. Now, for those of you that may not be a believer yet, just lean in just for a moment. Maybe you are in doubt of God's existence because of what's going on in the world. And your question, is he real and why we allow things to happen and hurt innocent people? You have the right and you have your own will to make your choice of what you believe. But I ask you to consider the claims of what I will talk about today of God the Father Next Sunday about God the Son and the next one of God the Holy Spirit. Today I kind of set it up like this. When I went into the third grade, I had a teacher, and her name was Miss Freeman. She was a very tall lady. She was probably about 6'2 or 6'3. And so for a little bitty third grader, I would walk up to Miss Freeman and I had to look and look straight up at her. And I was a little intimidated to say the least as a little boy, because my teacher was very, very tall. Okay. And I remember one time that I was on the floor with a friend named Tracy, and I began to take my big that pencil and draw on the floor, and Tracy said, I'm gonna tell Miss Freeman, and you know what he did? He told Miss Freeman, and Miss Freeman come with this paddle and began to whip me, and I was so scared of her from that point forward. I don't think I ever wrote on the floor. I don't think I ever did anything but said yes, ma'am, and no ma'am, okay? But then I'm looking at her as such a big teacher. When we think about God, how big is God to you? Do you have a big view of God? Like I had a big view of my teacher? Or have you got this small view of God? You know, I I think about for some people, God is not so big. See for the, for the most of us, our picture of God can be really small if we allow that. See, for people in their 40s or people in their 50s, and sometimes people get up into their 70s and 80s when it comes to their age, they end up developing this small picture of who God is. And you know what? A lot of times he gets small when we're leading life because we want to lead life like we want to. Or maybe you go through the religious motions and you go to church and you want to sing in church, and then all of a sudden you want to act like. God's real big and say, "How great is our God?" You start flailing those hands all around and people can't get near you, but then you go out and live your life through your actions that God is really small in your life. Or maybe you know stories of of how big God is in the Bible. Or maybe you know some stories of how big God has been in someone's life that you know, and he proved himself faithful as God the Father. Or maybe there's been some tough times in life that you wanted a big God, not a small God. You come to a point in your life when that a small God just wouldn't be near enough for you for what you were going through. I want to ask this question. How many of you listen to me right now? You really want a big God in your life. Think about that. Let that resonate with your spirit. See, a small God's not enough whenever you've been married for, say, over two decades, and all of a sudden you're caught off guard when you're served with divorce papers. See, a small God is not enough when you see people around you. It seems like they get all the breaks, and you never get any breaks. A small God is never enough whenever it seems that you get laid off, and you didn't expect to get laid off, and somebody in the cubicle across from you hasn't been there near as long and put in the hours that you've put in, but yet they gave you what they call the furlough. Or maybe you're realizing in your life that a small God is just not enough to be able to avoid all the problems that seems to have hit you and your family over these past few months of COVID-19. There's a couple of views of God that are true views of God. One view of God is like, God is a caregiver, and I believe that about him. When we were little, and when I was a little boy, and I was blessed to grow up in church, I looked at God as a a caregiver. See, most people, uh, they never expand their view beyond that caregiving mindset that he is a nice, comforting, loving, personable God. He's like the grandpa that you always wanted to climb up in his lap and talk to him because he was so comforting to you. Well, see, I grew up in you know, as we grow up and we, in, in times we have those, what we call cliche prayers, you know, and I remember, you know, you would be taking a test maybe in school and, and as you would take this test, you would say, oh dear Lord, please let me pass my test. Amen. Cause you wanted to get a good, for me, it was when I first started out, it was ones, twos, and threes. And you're probably wondering, what is he talking about? Y'all got ones, twos, and threes in school before we got A's, B's, and C's, and, and D's, and F's. And F's I thought meant fine. But anyway, Um, then you would say that that cliche prayer say I remember oh dear Lord Jesus I like God I like that girl there so we would make out the little note that says do you like me I like you put yes in a box and no in a box and you would hand it to them and you're praying Lord please let them check yes please let them check yes or you seen your friend got a puppy and you're thinking Lord I want a puppy too most people get to a point when it comes to praying they don't even pray to God Unless some kind of major disaster strikes. That view of God says that, God, I just want you to provide in order to make me happy. But then there's another view of God. It's God as being a rule giver. You say, what do you mean a rule giver? As we get older, some of the God views change as God sets up boundaries. And we allow him to either set up boundaries in our lives for those he loves and created. And we're thinking, if I'll do everything right and I don't do anything wrong, I can tip the scales of religion in a way that God is going to be good for me. God is a rule giving God. I will be good and God will be good to me. And We begin to think like, and most people follow God on a premise that things will go good for them if they follow him and they're good for God and follow all the rules. They're thinking, maybe I'll have a healthy lifestyle. Maybe God will give me wisdom. Maybe God will bless my family. Maybe he will bless my business. Maybe God will bless my career. I've just got to be good and tip the scales in the ways of justice for a rule God. In other words, God has come to make us good. And we're trying our best to be good. I don't know about you, but how many of you here are really good? Are you really good? Jesus said, no one is good but the Father. I was so bad when I grew up, and this is, I hate to even say it, but they called me terrible, terrible. It has a ring to it. Please don't hashtag me, terrible, terrible. But when you look at these God views, it shows the amazing aspects of the character of God. And we can be really honest that, that God is a caregiving God and God is a rule giver, but they really aren't enough. We want something more than that from God. So if you're not careful, you walk away from God in your life because God is no longer a challenge to us in our minds because we have this small thinking of God. No longer do we look at God as that great big person in our lives, like that great big person that I respected in Miss Freeman. Therefore, we end up being a person to where that all we want to know about him is what little bit we do know about him, the mystery's gone. So in our lives, God becomes small, boring, and absolutely predictable. Hmm. So with that being said, I want to share a story with you and We're going to talk about Moses, and many of you have heard about the Exodus story and the amazing story of how God delivered the Israelites at Moses' leadership. I'm telling you, it is an epic story. And for me, Moses is one of the greatest leaders in all of Scripture. The Israelites even wondered if God had forgot about them where they were in their bondage. You know, I think sometimes that's the way we are. You ever felt that way? especially during these past couple of months. Felt like you were in bondage and you wondered, has God forgot about us? Have we stopped trusting in God? Did we let our small view of God become predictable? Did God become boring to us? Did God become small to us? He's trying to get our attention. We take a look at the Exodus story. We know that Joseph was the one with a coat of many colors, and we know that his brother sold him into slavery and we know that the country became in one, and God raised him up from a prison to the palace, and he brought his whole family there, and, and Joseph brought his family there and After Joseph had died, the current pharaoh um, went on, and another pharaoh come up, and they forgot about Joseph. The Hebrew people began to really uh, populate and They didn't know what to do. And so I'm going to pick up in Exodus chapter 2 and verse 23. It says, years passed and the king of Egypt died. But the Israelites continued to groan under their burden of slavery. They cried out for help and their cry rose up to God. Remember, I looked up at Miss Freeman. Their cries rose up to God. God heard their groaning and he remembered his covenant promise to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He looked down on the people of Israel and knew it was time to act. Do you hear that? God knew it was, he looked down on his people and he knew it was time to act. Before God acted though, Moses had his view of God altered. Okay. Now understand that Pharaoh was scared that the populating people of the Hebrew people were going to take over Egypt. So he wanted to kill all of the baby boys. Long story short, and you can read it there in the Exodus account. But Moses was born and they hid him for three months. They put him in a basket and they put him in the river and Pharaoh's daughter saw the basket and his sister was watching and she ran up and and said, do you want to get my mom to be able to nurse him? And sure we do. And next thing you know, Moses started out life as a basket case, but then he grew up in the Egyptian power of that day. Well, as he grows up in this powerhouse, he sees different things that happens. Here, Moses was a man that would react more than respond. He knew that he was a Hebrew, and he saw one time that his Hebrew people that were enslaved were getting mistreated by the taskmasters, and he rose up against them, and he killed the taskmaster, and he hid the body out. But they knew who had killed him, and of course, he ended up leaving and going out into the desert because he did not want to get killed himself. And as we look at what happens, he goes out and he goes to these, he didn't ever want to be a shepherd, but he's going out to be a shepherd and he sees these ladies and these other men. and The shepherds were running him off from getting their water. So he runs off those shepherds and he gives water to all the lady shepherds. And they go back and tell their father Jethro, Zipporah in particular does, and says, well, bring him to us here. Well, it ended up, Jethro gave Zipporah to Moses to be married, and he begins to raise his family there. And then one day, Moses goes up on the mountain. And that's where we pick up in chapter 3 and verse 3 in Exodus. It says, he began to see this bush that he did not understand why that it was burning but yet it was never consumed. And he said, this is amazing, Moses said to himself. Why, is that bush, why isn't that bush burning up? I must go see it. When the Lord saw Moses coming to take a closer look, God called to him from the middle of the bush, Moses, Moses. Here I am, Moses replied. Do not come any closer, the Lord warned. Take off your sandals, for you are standing on holy ground. I am the God of your father, The God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. When Moses heard this, he covered his face because he was afraid to look at God. See, God called Moses at this time and at this moment. He was calling Moses to lead his people out of bondage from slavery in Egypt. But Moses, but got in the way. Check out what it says in Exodus 4, beginning with verse 10. But Moses pleaded with the Lord, "Oh Lord, I'm not very good with words. I never have been. I am not now. Even though you have spoken to me, I get tongue-tied and my words get tangled. Then the Lord asked Moses, Who makes a person's mouth? Who decides whether people speak or do not speak, hear or do not hear, see or do not see? It is not. Is it not I, the Lord? Now Go. And I will be with you as you speak, and I will instruct you in what to say. See, God was being patient with Moses as Moses multiple times makes excuses of why that he cannot be the one that God would use to lead his people out of bondage. How many times has God nudged your heart? And you made excuses. You made excuses of why you wouldn't serve in the church. Or you made an excuse of why you didn't tell a coworker why you believed in God. Or how you gave your life to God. Or maybe you made excuses of why you wouldn't give to God. And you say, I don't think I'm going to have enough. And you didn't trust God that he'd already given what you have. We make excuses all of the time. And you know a lot of times it rises out of our own human insecurities. See, God has big plans for each and every one of us. And that's what's amazing about God. He had big plans for Moses. He has big plans for everyone who trusts him as God, their father. And when this encounter here with Moses was over, Moses walked away with a different God view. And this was just the beginning for him in this moment. So Moses goes to Pharaoh and he says, oh, oh let my people go. See? See? So he goes to Pharaoh and tells him, let my people go. And you know what? That was really bold. But understand, that was not the insecure, tongue-tied Moses speaking. That was God who had gotten a hold of him and was speaking through him. On his own, Moses wasn't a very confident guy. But his encounter at the burning bush is what stretched his God view. The question is, have you had an encounter with God? Or you still have this small, insignificant, Boring, predictable view of God. Maybe you need your burning bush experience that will stretch you to look up to a great big view of God. That's what happened to Moses. On his own, he wasn't very much. But with God, God stretched him in this God view. And he knew he was following a God who was worth surrendering to. So God worked through Moses, altering God's view of himself. And he worked through him with 10 different plagues. And then eventually, God used these plagues and Pharaoh submits releasing the israelites even giving them all the treasures of egypt to take with them so he goes in his view of god moses he's at a burning bush he works through the plagues and then the hebrew children of god is released from slavery now wouldn't that be enough for god to show moses that he really cared nope God covers them with clouds by the day as they're walking so they don't need any kind of sunscreen. God leads them by fire at night. But here's what ends up happening. The Egyptians began to chase them because the free labor was walking away building the Egyptian empire. So they go chasing after them. The Egyptians pursued them. And then as they were cornered there at the Red Sea, God parched the Red Sea. And he holds the Egyptians back with a pillar of fire. And they crossed on dry ground. And the Bible tells us very distinctly that all the Egyptian and Pharaoh's army of cronies drowned. End of story? Nope, not yet. God began to feed them with manna which was a bread-like substance, a sweet bread-like substance. He fed them with manna. He fed them with quail. Morning and evening, he provided water for them. And all along, here's what's sad. Israel was still doubting God. They had fears of what God was going to do. God continually kept showing how big he was was the view was a great big view of God and here's what I will tell you you see when you take your eyes off of God you can get a very small view of God and not only who he is but who he can be God led Moses up on Mount Sinai to give him the Ten Commandments, to protect their community, to give them guidelines of how that they are to love God and how that they are to respect God and love and respect their neighbors. However, God wasn't done revealing who he was in this God view. In fact, Moses met with God, the Bible tells us, in the tent of meeting. It says in Exodus 33 in verse 11, Inside the tent of meeting, the Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. Afterward, Moses would return to the camp, but the young man who assisted him, Joshua, son of Nun, would remain behind in the tent of meeting. See, the God who showed up in the burning bush, the God who showed up in the plagues, the God who showed up with a pillar of fire, the God who showed up and parted the sea, the God who gave manna and quail in the morning and evening, the God who provided the water had more to reveal to Moses than what he could ever imagine. And just like God being a friend to Moses, next week we'll talk about how that God showed up in the person of his son for you and I. And in John 15, It tells us in verse 15, now you are my friends. He no longer looks at us as slaves. That God that we've talked about today is more than a caregiver providing manna. And providing quail. The God that we're talking about today is more than a rule giver. Providing ten commandments. And being able to give direction and inspiration to the Israelite people. God's people. God showed up in ways that nobody could have ever expected God to show up. How about you? What's your view of God? I believe he'll show up in ways that you never expected, whenever you get a great, big, new view of God. For God, who has revealed Himself in so many ways to His people, there was still more for God's people here. To discover and there's still more pe- more things for you and I to discover that's what makes a relationship of following God such an amazing journey you know a couple of those God's views are really good he's a caregiving God, he's a rule giving God but there's a great God view I love what the psalmist wrote about the psalmist David as a matter of fact The story of this great big view of God never got small in the eyes of God's people. As a matter of fact, 539 years later, Moses wrote about what happened with the Israelites, what happened with the Red Sea. But I love this great God view that the psalmist expresses in chapter 68 verses 4 through 8. He says, sing praises to God and to his name. Sing praises to him who rides the clouds. His name is the Lord. Rejoice in his presence. Father to the fatherless, defender of widows. This is God whose dwelling is holy. God places the lonely in families. He sets the prisoners free, and he gives them joy. But he makes the rebellious live in the sun-scorched land. Oh God, when you led your people out from Egypt, when you marched through the dry wasteland, the earth trembled and the heavens poured down rain before you the god of sinai before god the god of israel see we think of an extraordinary life with god and the father's protection the father's provision it could be almost overwhelming to us Because when we think about the pain that we're ensuing, we think about the disappointments that we're facing, we think about the depression that's laying down on us over these months, or we think about the uncertainties of the future, or we think about the insecurities that we're dealing with. Here's my prayer for every single one of you that your view of God is going to change, that you'll wake up to the reality that God is real, that God, that He is big enough to make extraordinary things out of any ordinary life. That's what God wants to do. You may never lead a revolution to get people out of slavery. You may never find the cure for a worldwide pandemic called COVID-19 or a cure for cancer or either find a way to end world hunger. However, today, your story It's on its way. And it all depends how big your view is of God, your creator. See, God can use you for a history-making, earth-shaking, cultural revolutionizing thing. You just have to avail yourself and change your view of God and say, you know what, I want to expand the view of God. I want to see the glory of God. I want to see what God can do because God is big and He's audacious and He's loving and He's caring and He's there for us always. Even to the very end, our God is big enough to do everything in all of us often said life it isn't about the duration of our life it's about the donation of our life and it's what we do with what we've been given while we're here I'll never forget when I graduated high school I grew up in a youth group and I grew up with a a friend and his father was our youth leader and his, his father's name was Lewis Conquest. My friend's name was Junior Conquest. Junior was a special person. He was an only child and Lewis and Ruth he was their son and he was just a, he had a special glow about this young man and he loved the Lord. Lewis and junior they his father had a business and a trash business, and they used these big trash trucks and everything and Lewis always told Junior, "Don't, don't get behind the truck. Don't ever get behind the truck, Junior." And it was wintertime, and they were backing into a hospital to be able to get the trash at this place. And they were backing into a a, a decline that goes down in there to where they got the trash, and it was icy that day. And Junior had somehow got behind where the truck was, and the truck started sliding and. Junior couldn't get out of the way and his dad couldn't keep from going back and the truck bumped Junior and Junior lost his life. He was a special kid. He loved God, he loved others and he touched so many lives. They had his funeral in White House High School. Jim and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people showed up and he had touched so many lives. See, here's what I know, that God gives me and you an opportunity to view him. God gives us a span of time on this earth to let our view grow bigger of him. And Life isn't the result of me and you just trying harder. It's the result in all of us allowing ourselves to fall in love with a great big God that he has bigger plans for us than what we can ever imagine. I look back at Junior's life and the impact he had and his span of life with here is extraordinary. For I ask... This question How big will you allow God to be in your life? It begins when we have a big, ever growing God view. When we know the big and ever growing God. See, God doesn't work very well in small views. He never has, and He never will. But when I spend time with the one who loves me, I grow deeper and I grow wider into a relationship that is so hard for me to comprehend. But then my life avails into a life that's nothing short of extraordinary. think back to Miss Freeman and I think back of looking up at her and how big she was and how I had respect and love for her and she was a wonderful teacher I always want to look up to God like I did Miss Freeman and have that respect and honor for him and say God here I am you can unzip me from the top of my head to the bottom of my feet and I open up my life to you for you to do ordinarily above what i can ask hope or even think god that's a god and that's a big view of god i just want to say god surprise me god surprise me let that be our very prayer as a follower of jesus god surprise me wherever god surprise me with whatever god you are in control i want to have an amazing huge view of you god you know what this means God isn't going to be just a caregiver. God isn't just going to be a rule giver. You know what this means for you? Grab this now. Are you ready? God is going to climb out of the box that you have put him in and do amazing things in your life, and you cannot imagine what he's going to do in and through you and for the world around you. That's what I believe about God when you'll grasp an amazing view of our great God. Bow your heads with us as we pray. Father, forgive us, God, Lord, as your followers when we have a small view of you. Forgive us, God, when we just walk away and we put you in this box as small and boring and predictable. God, forgive us. God, be with us, God, and may our view change and become so big it will be unreal what you will do in and through our lives. As we continue to pray, the reason so many people, a lot of times as they follow God, they just kind of look back in the past because you're stuck in the past. You might be stuck in the past of a friendship that's been hurting, or maybe you're stuck in because in the past because of a dating relationship that's gone bad and has become null and void. Or maybe you're stuck in the past because a marriage that you once adored come to an end. Or maybe you're stuck in the past because you've been gripped with addiction because you've been so overcome with these stay-at-home things. And, and you know it's not good for you, but it's hurting you and it's hurting your relationship with God. And maybe you're looking at the past because that dream job ended or that business you lost and poured your entire life into and savings is gone. Maybe some of you, you can't even fathom the mindset that God is a father because your father walked out before you really even knew him. And all you have is bad memories of maybe even never having God as a father, having a father, earthly father. You can't imagine having God as a father. Let me say this to you. matter what your circumstances are, God's above that. God doesn't just heal wounds. He sets you free to set you on a course of a big future with a big God. And that's Father God. And I asked you, are you ready? It's time for the moment and the present and the future He has You pray to him and just tell him, say, God, I'm not going to think about what's behind me. I'm going to think about you, God, who's in front of me and where you want to take me, God. I'm not going to whine about the past. I'm not going to complain. I'm not going to make excuses. I am going to say, God, here I am. I want you to become everything in my life that you planned for. I want to have a big view of you, God. Have you rule and reign my life. we continue to pray maybe you've never given your life to God you've never looked at God as even being real or or that God could be so big but God could be so small to be in your heart he can he's an anywhere at one time God and to have him in your heart is to ask Jesus his son to come into your life so right now right where you're at if you feel this conviction is pouring down on your soul and you feel this knock upon your heart, that's God the Son wanting in your life that gave His life for you and your wrongdoing, what we call sin. He died for you to forgive you of all wrongdoing. And if you will call upon His name and ask Him to forgive you of those sins, He will give you His peace, His plan, His purpose, His joy, His love, and ultimately his forgiveness, and you will get your name in his book in heaven. So ask him, say, Lord Jesus, just tell him, I asked you to come in my heart. Please forgive forgive me for not having the proper view of you, God. I believe, Jesus, you gave your life for me. I want you to rule and reign my life me of my sins I ask you to save me my life is yours make me whole in you make my view of you brand new in Jesus name Amen I hope and pray that if you gave your life to Christ There's a number on the screen there. If you just simply just text the word SAVE to us, we will follow up with you and and we will help you. This is not the completion. This is the beginning of this wonderful relationship, this amazing journey that you can have on this side of heaven until you get there. So we'd love to help you with that. If you need prayer or you need to talk to a pastor, there's also a number on your screen that you can call. We'd love for you to be able to do that. We are so thankful for you joining us today. And man, I cannot wait to share who is God when it comes to God's son next week. I'm excited about that. I hope and pray that that you'll be here for that. Hope and pray that you'll share this today with someone that could help them in so much about who God is. But how big God can be in all of our lives. I hope and pray the rest of this day will be a joyous day for you. And may God just bless you rich and immensely, and I am excited that a couple of weeks from today, we're going to come back together face-to-face. God bless you, and may God richly touch your life today, and may your view be ever-growing and changing, and an ever-growing and loving God. God bless you. Hello, Pastor Jim here. I just wanted to come on and thank you for listening and help answer the question, what next? If you gave your life to Jesus today, we would love to take that journey with you. Simply text the word SAVED to 615-900-2176. And make sure to follow us through the week on our social media accounts at FreedomChurchTN. We love you. Have a blessed week.